Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist of the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. This is our first UK football game review of the season as Kentucky opened the season on Saturday night with a 37-13 victory over the Miami of Ohio Redhawks at Kroger Field. Up next for the Wildcats, the Florida Gators down in Gainesville in the Swamp. Saturday night, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, Florida is coming off a 29-26 win over 7th-ranked Florida in the Swamp in Billy Napier's debut as the Florida coach. So it should be a great matchup on Saturday. It should be two ranked teams, which would be the first time since 2007 that Kentucky and Florida uh, play each other while both being ranked. Florida is unranked, but I think they'll be in the top 25 when the poll comes out on Tuesday. Uh, because we have games on Sunday night and Monday night. We're recording this on Sunday afternoon. My guest on the podcast is Mark Story, my fellow columnist at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. We talked about UK's win over the Redhawks, some problems on the offensive line. The defense uh, gave up a opening drive touchdown to Miami, but then settled down after that for for defensive coordinator Brad White. Big night from Tavion Robinson, the Virginia Tech transfer, wide receiver who had over 100 yards in receiving. He also had a 23-yard punt return. Barry and Brown, UK freshman, returned a kickoff for 100, 100 yards for a touchdown. He almost, almost dropped the ball before he got to the goal line, but they ruled that he did go over the goal line with the ball. Kind of a teaching moment for the freshman from Nashville. Uh, Will Levis said he was disappointed in his performance after the game. He did throw for three touchdowns. He had an interception, but he did miss some easy throws. But he was under pressure for a lot of the game, and that's something Kentucky definitely needs to fix before they go down to the swamp. We talked about all of that with Mark, so let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it. My conversation with Mark Story of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com about Kentucky football's win over Miami of Ohio and this Saturday's game against the Florida Gators. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is my colleague, good friend, fellow sports columnist at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com, Mark Story. How's it going, Mark? It's going good, John. Uh, we finally got a football game uh, last night. We're taping this on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Kentucky beat Miami of Ohio 37-13 to last night at Kroger Field. Uh, what was your overall impression of the opener, Mark? Well, I think it was mixed. I think there were obviously some good things. I think Kentucky's young talent was really impressive. You know, they 
some of the true freshmen that had you know, gotten a lot of hype and a lot of recruiting hype and then had a lot of buzz in the preseason camp, I thought came out and backed it up. And, you know, Barry and Brown looked every bit as dynamic and ex- as explosive as you we've all been hearing. And I thought Dane Key played well and you know, two true freshman receivers who who made big plays for Kentucky. You know, I thought you know Keaton Wade and Alex Safari. You know, were were true freshmen who made an impact defensively. And you know, while I just to my naked eye, it looked like Deion Walker got blocked occasionally. He also made some plays, right. and he's such an impressive looking specimen that you know he. It, it's hard not to be very intrigued about what he can be at Kentucky. So I thought you know I thought that was encouraging. You know, obviously there were some concerns. Uh, I, the offensive line play was not at the level you know, that we've come to expect of the big blue wall. I don't think that should have been entirely unexpected when you look at the personnel losses from last year. You know, they put two guys in the NFL draft, you know, lost a third starter, a fourth, you know, you had two returning starters, one of whom missed a lot of camp due to injury and was only playing part-time last night and the other who, you know, switch positions. So I don't think it's entirely shocking that, you know, that they had some struggles there, but, you know, obviously, you know, they don't appear at least right now to have the capacity to, you know, sort of control the line of scrimmage and just run the ball down people's throats that we've sort of gotten used to here since, you know, really since 2016. Right. And, and Will Levis was sacked four times and seemed to be under pressure uh, quite a bit uh, during the night. They talked about after the game that uh, Miami did some twists and stunts that uh, uh, found holes in the UK offensive line, and they were starting. You basically say you could basically make the case they're starting five new guys: uh, David Wallabaugh and Jeremy Flax at the tackles. Uh, Jagger Burton started in place of Kenneth Orsi uh, at guard, and Orsi may be their best offensive lineman. And he, uh, as you mentioned, was out part of camp, and that's why he didn't start or play much last night because he's been hurt. And then. And uh, Tayshawn Manning started at the other guard. He's the transfer from Auburn. And Eli Cox, as you mentioned, was the center. He was a starting guard uh, last year. Uh, is this a one-game thing that can be fixed quickly, or is it, is it a matter of just the guys need time playing together to uh, you know get that continuity that you want from your offensive line? How, how do you think this will go moving forward? I think would be stunned if they don't make a pretty dramatic improvement from week one to week two. It looked to me like they were having a lot of assignment and communication issues, and I would assume that's something that can be fixed. But I do think it's probably going to take deeper into the season. They may have to, you know, move some people around and, you know, experiment to, to sort of get this, you know, where they want it to be. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, from everything we've heard, Jagger Burton had a really good camp, and they'd like to. He's definitely figures in the rotation. I mean, do you put him at one of the guard spots and leave him there? And do you move Kenneth Horsey to tackle? I think they tried that before, and it didn't work out quite well. As well, uh, you know, and where how does Keontae Goodwin figure in there? The freshman, highly regarded freshman coming in. Yeah, I don't think you really want to throw him to the wolves down in Florida uh, in your first SEC game and being on the road. But I think he's somebody that maybe they think by midseason could play a major role. We'll just have to see. Yeah, I think moving Horsey to tackle would be like the last resort. I didn't think last year when they did that, it worked all that well. And to me, you're sort of, you're weakening your guard position that way. 
Um, so ideally, I think they need to try to develop, you know, true tackles. Now, you know, that presupposes you, you have that capacity within your program. Right. I do think it'll be interesting, you know, with Goodwin to see how they handle him. I agree with you. I don't think just throwing him to the wolves in the swamp is really the way to do that. But you do wonder if they don't play better, you know, substantially better on the offensive line if you don't, you know, start running him in there more the next week against Youngstown State and then the following week against Northern Illinois and try to have him ready when you go to Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and then, of course, a big part of the running game is the running back position. And uh, Chris Rodriguez did not play last night, uh, suspended or unavailable, however you want to refer to it. We don't know how long longer he's going to be unavailable. And then you get two guys behind him who got hurt. Ramon Jefferson only had a couple of carries. And the next thing we know, he's got his helmet off and his shoulder pads off on the sidelines. And then later on in the game, two Tom McClain got hurt. What about that running back position? Could we see more of a, uh, of a guy who was very impressive, I thought, in the limited time at the end of last year from your alma mater in uh, Lavelle Wright? Yeah, I'm not just going to say this because he, <laughs> like I, went to North Harden. But I've, to, I've thought for the last two years that other than C-Rod, Wright has the best potential to be an every down back of anybody they have. And I know he apparently was hurt at the end of training camp because at the last practice that was open to the media, the first part of it, he was in a red jersey. So, you know, I thought in limited action last night, I thought he looked good. I thought he had one good run, I think a seven-yard run. And given the difficulty they were having running the ball, that was, you know, that, that was like a parting of the seas to gain seven yards in that game. Right. And I thought he made an incredible, you know, play in pass protection mm-hmm. where he picked up a, a blitzer and just crushed him. And that would, that allowed Levis the time to hit Barry and Brown on the, the long pass play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, and you know, if he's healthy and the other ones are hurt, I'd, I would say he's definitely going to get going to get more time. Uh, receivers: Tavion Robinson in his big blue debut, uh, excellent game, a first hundred yard game in his career. He also had a twenty three yard punt return. As you mentioned, Barry Brown, he took a kickoff back for hundred yards for a touchdown. Uh, could have been ninety nine yards. <laughs> Came close <laughs> to dropping the ball before he got to the end zone, uh, but they ruled after the replay that he did make it across the goal line, or at least to the goal line before he dropped the ball. Uh, what did you think? Of, Dan Key made a couple of nice catches. What did you – and the receiving core, I think, was a big question coming in. How did you think they performed overall? I, I thought the receiving core was good. I thought it was encouraging. I think it's clear going forward that Kentucky always will need to have a wide receiver named Robinson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Based, based off last year and the first game this year. That, that that just needs to be a recruiting a recruiting <laughs> emphasis. But and, you know, I thought Tavion looked good. He was what I expected him to be, and, and I thought he was good. You know, I thought Dane made a couple of really good catches. The catch he made on his touchdown was an amazing catch. Yeah. A really good catch. And and obviously Barryon with the kickoff return and we had one big explosive play in the receiving, you know, I you know, I thought it was good. You know, I also thought, you know, that was a big play that Demarcus Harris made on that pass that got deflected that he you know, managed to catch and turn into a 15-yard game that kind of sparked the uh, the late first-half drive that allowed Kentucky to kick the field goal to take the lead at halftime. Yeah, no, right. And as you mentioned, Levis, Will Levis, 300, over 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. He told us after the game he's never been so disappointed in a 300-yard, three-touchdown game. He had his highs. He made some good throws, but he also missed some easy throws. He seemed to be kind of up and down. Uh, would, would you agree with that? 
I would agree with that. I thought, you know, obviously, you know, he came from Penn State. The knock on him was accuracy and touch. And, you know, so you know, maybe it's not fair, but I find myself sort of watching him through that context. Mm-hmm. And he obviously had a good year last year and got better, I thought, as the season went along. But last night, you know, there, there were some throws that were available, you know, fairly easy throws, it looked to me like, that, you know, just they, they weren't accurate. And you know, the, the most glaring one was on the fourth and goal from the two. And, you know, to Keaton Upshaw that, you know, had he let him, that's an easy touchdown. And instead it was a pick. And you know, there were you know, several other throws in the first half, especially where the receiver was open and the ball just wasn't where it needed to be. And even one of those was that play I just talked about, the ball that got deflected that, you know, Harris made the catch off the deflection. You know, that was a, that was a bad throw. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's turn over to the defensive side. How'd you think defense played overall? They gave up that touchdown on the opening drive. After that, they just, they allowed just a couple of field goals. How did you think they performed overall? I thought, well, my, 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 my belief going into the game is that Miami is good offensively. Mm-hmm. They've been really good offensively the last five games last year. They brought a ton of people back. I mean, it was a veteran offensive line, veteran receiving core, veteran running backs, a good quarterback. You know, in that context, you know, I thought Kentucky played pretty well defensively other than the first drive. I thought they you know, pretty much were in control of what I think is a pretty good Miami offense. Yeah, and played a lot of young people. You mentioned about Deion Walker. You mentioned about Wade, uh, uh, Alex uh, Ferriott, or however you say his name, in the uh, backfield. Uh, they did were able to get some younger guys in there, which should help them. Uh, it seemed in talking to Brad White after the game that he was happy about that. He thought that they just needed to get rid of some jitters off that first drive and settle down after that. But there's going to be some young players that are going to have to play big roles on this defense, don't you think? There are, and you know, I, as I said, I think it was encouraging. You know, I thought Alex Safari was really good. To my naked eye, he was making plays and you know, there, was playing a difficult position. You know, that nickelback position right. is, is that's a tough position to play. Right. And you come in as a true freshman and you know, you know play pretty well there in your first game. You know, I think that's that from the Kentucky perspective was an exciting development. You know, I thought the play Keaton Wade made when he blew up that screen pass to the tight end was, you know, that was a that was a big time play there. Yeah. Uh, okay, I want to talk about the Florida game, and we'll do that right after this break when we come back with Mark's story of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Okay, back here with Mark Story of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Florida, Kentucky goes to Florida on Saturday to play the Gators. It's a 7 o'clock game on ESPN. Florida, big uh, uh, big debut for Billy Napier as head coach as they knock off 7th-ranked Utah last night in the Swamp. 
29-26. This could be, I believe, the first time Florida's unranked, but I'm guessing they will be ranked when the rankings come out on Tuesday. I think this is the first time since 2007, I believe, that when Kentucky and Florida have met where both teams are ranked. Uh, How do you see this matchup next week? Well, that 2007 game, which was a shootout with between Tim Tebow and Andre Woodson, was right. a great game. Right. That was right after Kentucky had beaten LSU, right? It was, yeah. College game day came to Lexington. Right. Uh, to, to answer your question, you know, when Kentucky beat Florida in the swamp in 2018, they just ran the ball down Florida's throat. Snell ran for 175. Um, Terry Wilson ran for 105. You know, A.J. Rose ran for 22 on four carries. Kentucky averaged 7.4 yards a carry, ran for 303 yards. So they controlled the game at the line of scrimmage with their running attack. And then you know, Wilson you know, made three big plays. He scrambled and hit David Bouvier for a touchdown on you know, just a rollout, improv- improvised play. You know, ran for a touchdown himself on a misdirection counter play. And then he hit... Excuse me. Then hit Lynn Bowden with a 54-yard pass on a deep cross, and you know, based off what we saw against Miami, I don't think there's too much reason to think Kentucky can control Florida at the line of scrimmage. So I think that puts a you know a lot of pressure on Levis. And I think he's got to be more accurate because when you can't count on you know your running game, you've got to hit those short passes to move the chains and keep things going. Now, it was interesting, you know, Rich Scangarello was sort of at pains to point out that they, you know, were pretty conscious of what they put on tape. Mm-hmm. And he also pointed out that they didn't use any, you know, called quarterback runs. Mm-hmm. You know, I would guess that, you know, they, they'll, they'll unveil that. And, you know, we know Levis can be very effective in that. So I would, I would guess we'll see a whole lot more of what's in Kentucky's playbook than we saw Saturday. Yeah, I mean, that's another question. I mean, uh, I think I think it was Stoops who said Mark Stoops who said about or might have been Rich might have been both of them that they were made, they had a conscious effort, effort last night to throw the ball they wanted to throw the ball was that because they wanted to work on their passing game or was it because they found out early on they couldn't run the ball very effectively so they had to throw the ball especially without Chris Rodriguez we just don't know that only Skanger only Rich knows that but Rich has said during preseason practice he made the point about you know he thought that uh, one of their advantages even though they're still running an NFL-style offense uh, like they ran last year with Liam Cohen as offensive coordinator. It's slightly different, and he made the point to us one day about how, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be a mystery for the first couple of games, and that's a good thing. And, um, and Will Levis said after the game that he thought Skang, uh, Coach Skang, as they call him, had been thinking about the Florida game for quite a while. So it's hard to know how much did they hold back last night that they, in, the, in the playbook that they can use against Florida. I would guess they were pretty vanilla, and, and it was obvious they weren't running the quarterback yeah. at all. So, you know, I would think we'll see you know, some of that at least, and that will give you know Florida something else to to look at. You know, obviously, the Kentucky game was going on at the same time as the Florida game, so I didn't see it. Yeah. But just looking at Florida's numbers, you know, defensively they didn't you know do a lot. You know, they there was obviously an incredibly athletic interception made in the end zone by Amari Bernie that saved the game. Right. But, you know, they didn't have any sacks. I think they had two tackles for loss. Right. I mean, Utah moved, you know, Utah appears to have moved the ball, you know, you know pretty, uh, pretty effectively. Utah was eight of 13 on third downs and actually had more first downs than Florida. So, you know, 
Yeah. Utah's yeah. got a good offense. I mean, they they had oh, a good they offense do. last year. You know, yeah, they played that bowl game. Uh, you know, and yeah, we, I think we all watched that Rose Bowl game yeah. with Ohio State, which was incredible. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, yeah the thing I, I was interested about, uh, about the sacks too, because like you, you know, Kentucky they gave up four sacks last night. Now they're going down to Florida. Florida always has athletic offensive, I mean, defensive linemen. So uh, when I was writing my story this morning, I looked up about Florida sacks and was surprised to see that they didn't have a sack. Yeah, I am. I did that same thing at about two o'clock this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I did it like eight hours after you did, <laughs> but I looked it up. Uh, so yeah, what about Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback? I mean, people are already you know in my column that I wrote about that. Uh, I led off with Todd McShay last night. It seemed like soon as the game was over. The uh, NFL draft analyst for ESPN, who also does college games, said he couldn't wait for Saturday to see Levis versus Anthony Richardson. He's a big, strong guy, athletic guy. He ran for over 100 yards last night, uh, passed for over 100 yards. What kind of threat is he going to be for this Kentucky defense? Well, I think he's good. I mean, I think he's kind of an athletic freak. You know, yeah. you know, I think you have to try to shut him down and make him throw. I'm not saying he can't do that, but I think you have to try to control their run game and make them beat you through the air. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah, he's. He, I mean, you. we've heard about him for the last couple of years, even when he was kind of playing behind Emory Jones as a Florida quarterback. Yeah, Jones is their quarterback, but they got this guy who's really raw in Anthony Richardson, but he's going to be really good because he's so athletic. So we'll see. And now you got a new staff with a new head coach and Billy Napier, who did a tremendous job at Louisiana, and I think will do a really good job at Florida. My question was, how quickly can he turn it around? And beating Utah is a pretty good start, obviously, the seventh-ranked team in the country. What about the fact Though that Kentucky's two and two against Florida over the last four years, they beat them down as you mentioned down in the swamp uh, in that game in eighteen, and then last year they beat them up here uh, at Kroger Field. I mean, I feel like Kentucky and and the games now the COVID year they were beaten pretty soundly. That was a pretty close game in, until the second half, and then the game they lost at home. Uh, controversial ending against Florida there uh, at the end of that game where they could have won a holding call at the end of that game. I feel like Kentucky feels like they can play with Florida, which hasn't always been the case in the past. How much does that come into play Saturday, you think? Well, I think it's a factor. I think under Mark Stoops, Kentucky's been very competitive with Florida. they've, They've beaten them twice. You know, I think five of the games have been decided by eight points or fewer. Um, you know, Kentucky, you know, I think they have confidence they can play against Florida that, you know, they've, they've done so pretty consistently. So, yeah, I, I think Kentucky will go to Gainesville with belief. Yeah. So I know it's early in the week and we, you know, we haven't, you obviously will do your matchups later in the week and so forth. But is the, is Kentucky's offensive line the key to the game on the Kentucky side, do you think? Yeah, I think it. I think it almost has to be. I mean, just off what we saw the first week, it, it's the biggest question. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think if they protect Levis and they can run the ball a little bit, I think they've got a chance. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how Florida plays. A, a big high last night. I read where it was the biggest crowd for an opener Florida's ever had. Uh, of course, they've expanded the stadium a couple times over the last few years, which probably has something to do with that. Could Florida have a letdown after having such a big win? Where Kentucky, I think, feels like that they can play a lot better. And there's the old coach's adage about getting improvement from week one to week two. Uh, but, it, you know, it's an interesting matchup. It's obviously an interesting matchup at the SEC East when you're fighting to be the team that challenges Georgia, this could set the tone for the season. Yeah, I was thinking about the the, the, the first question you raised. I actually think from the Kentucky perspective, I, I would probably be happy that Florida 
beat Utah because they're going to, you know, be there's going to be a lot of back slapping and feeling right. good. And, and I, I think I would rather have them coming in off a big high than yeah. had they played close and lost and came in, you know, frustrated and mad. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a huge game for Kentucky. You look at, you know, the, the two 10 win seasons that Mark Stoops has had, you know, the two 10 win seasons that Kentucky has had since 1977, you know, in 2018 and last year were both set up by beating Florida early in the year. Right. It seems like, you know, that when you can beat Florida, that sort of opens up, you know, Kentucky to do big things. It, may, it opens the pathway to, to doing, you know, things as Rich Brooks used to say that, you know, haven't been done around here in a long time. Right. So, you know, it, it, and as you correctly point out that, you know, in the, the, the battle to be the number one SEC East challenger to, uh, to Georgia, you know, this is a big game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'll be covering, uh, uh, all that leading up to the game on Saturday. Uh, Mark will have his matchups. He'll have his, uh, where to watch, how to follow the game, uh, as he does every week. And then he'll have his five things to know and call him after the game. Uh, we'll have all that, uh, remind the listeners, Mark, how they can follow you on Twitter. I'm at Mark C. Story. That's Mark C. Story. So be sure and follow Mark. Uh, anything else? Uh, am I leaving anything out? Anything else we should uh, know before we get into this week? Well, my question, John Clay, what did you think of the giant video boards? <laughs> Funny you should ask that uh, because uh, just earlier I was talking with some people who were at the game last night, and they did not like the giant video boards because for a couple of reasons. Number one is that they it was too hard to find the score, and they because I guess the score was I didn't really notice until into the game that the uh, it's just basically in that ribbon at the bottom of the screen, and they thought the statistics, the numbers for the statistics were too high and they wanted to know why they were on there they don't need to know the statistics the whole time and they said it was hard to to find where the ball was on that uh, all of that what did you that uh, you know where it says you know the ball's on the 22 or the ball's on the 27 it was hard to locate that what did you think of the video boards no i i thought i thought they were nice i thought especially like in the pregame when they were doing the player interviews and just you know or the player introductions and just, you know, it was just a really good experience and and an enhanced experience. Some of the stuff about having a difficult time finding where the ball was. And I think that was a legitimate complaint, but to me that, I mean, they ought to be able to fix that. I I assume they can reprogram these things to make them, you know, make them more, you know, I guess, consumer friendly as they go along. I, I thought it was a pretty nice upgrade just in terms of the capacity for what they can do with their, their video boards. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you go around the league, I mean, Kentucky had fallen way behind or was falling behind. When you go to some of these other places, their video boards. Mississippi State has a video board that goes like the length of the field. It's it's almost too big. But uh, some of these other places. Yeah, no, the people that comp- – that, uh, were complaining to me about it and they made the point that they like you know the bigger board and the bigger screen they just they didn't understand why you had to have the stats up there all the time i mean you could show those at the end of the quarter or something at the expense of having the score so small when you think the score is really the most important part of the game that you want to know the score what where's the ball on what's you know the down and the yards to go and i you're probably right i'm sure they can fix some of that they can reprogram make something smaller and some things bigger but overall, yeah, I think it's an improvement. It just needs – it probably had some first-game quirks that need to be <laughs> worked out as well. Maybe we'll see great improvement from game, game one to game two in the video scoreboards as well. 
Well, that, yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I do agree that it, it was, and some of that's just getting used to where stuff is, but it was hard to find the score and like the, the down and, 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 and to go information. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing we should mention is, you know, Mark Stoops tied Bear Bryant. He did. He tied Bear Bryant. Yes. Now, part of that's from longevity. Obviously, Mark does not have the same winning percentage as Bear, but there's uh, as Bear Bryant. But there's something to be said, obviously, for Mark being the longest tenure coach now, ten years, and to get that record. Mark's tried to downplay it, but uh, I think it definitely is something to be proud of. Yeah, I mean, any time you can be linked, your, right. your name is linked with one of the all-time greats in the history of your profession, that's a good right. thing. And you know, obviously, you know, Bear Bryant's winning percentage is far better than Mark Stoops, but, you know, Mark Stoops took over a pretty difficult situation and did not get off to a blazing start and persevered and has, you know, built this into a pretty interesting program. Absolutely. So, you know, it's not a small achievement to, no. to, to get to 60 wins as the coach at Kentucky. Right. And I think, too, we should mention the crowd. I thought, you know, I know they sold a lot of tickets. Uh, they've done a really good job. Uh, I'm really happy with their season ticket sales, and I think the student ticket package has sold out. But I thought the crowd might be down last night because of the threat of rain all day. There was talk about storms before the game. We were even talking to the press box. Some people said there was going to be a storm right at kickoff, and the game might be delayed. Somebody even said, you know, how long does it have to be delayed before they push it back and have to start to tomorrow? But uh, it wasn't completely full, but it was pretty close last night. It was. It was a great crowd. It was the largest crowd for a Kentucky opener since 2015, when was which was the opening of the renovated stadium. And it was the largest Kentucky crowd for a non-Power 5 opponent since EKU in 2015. Wow. So, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a really good crowd. And just the fact that it was such a large crowd for a group of five opponent, you know, those kind of games haven't been drawing at Kentucky. So I think it was a reflection of how enthusiastic the fans are about the, the state of the football yeah. program. Right. And Kentucky will be facing a hostile crowd down at the Swamp next uh, Saturday in uh, Gainesville. And uh, we'll have plenty of coverage, as I mentioned, leading up to the game, during the game, and after the game, both uh, on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald Leader. And as always, Mark, thanks again for being on the podcast. Look forward to talking to you on Sundays as the season goes along. Thank you, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks, as always, to my fellow sports columnist and colleague at the Herald-Leader, Mark Story. Be sure and follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check out all of his work on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Lexington Herald-Leader. We will have a uh, UK-Florida football preview podcast later in the week where John Hale, who covers UK football for the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com, will join me, as well as we'll get a scouting report on the Florida Gators as well. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That really helps. You can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Tuned In, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts, just about anywhere you can find your podcast. We really appreciate everybody who listens to these podcasts. We appreciate all your support. Be sure and go to Kentucky.com. Hit on that subscription tab. Check out all the offers for digital subscriptions to Kentucky.com, or maybe you want a print subscription to the Lexington Herald Leader. You can find that all at Kentucky.com. Once again, thanks to Mark Story. Once again, be on the lookout for our Kentucky, Florida podcast preview later in the week. And thanks to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.